Bonovic is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. Sadate on the tippy tie. What up, everybody? I hope you're all doing well. What up, what up, what up? This is the Spawnery Podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I hope you're doing really, really well. I hope you are having a wonderful week. It is Wednesday. It is the 18th of May, uh, and we are getting it in uh, in a real way. We're ma- we're making some fun things happen. Again, if you missed last week's episode, please go check that out. We had a lot of great conversations. Actually, one conversation that we're also going to bridge with uh, into this episode because we have someone who can actually talk to <laughs> some of the stuff that we were digging into last week. So if you missed the conversation about us being in Mother, Mother Gunship Forge uh, with our Bracago Biscuit, make sure you go check that stuff out make sure you're giving people some love uh in the world and also make sure that you're giving yourself some space some space to relax some space to think some space to think about what the future is going to be i think a lot of folks right now are you know reasonably upset about all the things that are happening in this space we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the shooting that happened in Buffalo towards the end of the show, because uh, I have some thoughts about that. But I do want to give you all a space to say, continue to find good ways to give yourself some grace, give yourself some space to, to, to be who you need to be, and also give yourself some space to not do shit. <laughs> That's a really big thing. Give yourself space to not do stuff. Just sit like a lump on a log and do that for a little bit and get yourself together. I am really excited because we have a fantastic guest this week. So one of the conversations that we had last week with the ABK data and that new kind of tool that they talked about um, was really interesting to see how people were kind of coming to that conversation uh, over the week last week. And I saw this fantastic tweet from editor-in-chief and founder of But Why Though, Kate Sanchez. And she talked about, you know, how some of this data really wasn't doing what it needed to do and how some of that is really kind of missing the missing the mark. Um, so I was like, you know what? Let's see if we can get Kate to come onto the show. And by the grace of the internet, we made it happen. Kate is here with us this week on Spawn On Me. So excited to have you on the show. What up, what up, what up, Kate? How you doing? How's everything going? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on. So, uh, I'm really excited. <laughs> I am hyped to have you here. Again, I want to thank you for using your voice in the best ways and sharing um, you know, thoughts about the data level of the conversation that we saw happen last week, which we're definitely going to get into. I want to give you the ball and let you run and do do that work on the show. But first, I want to give folks some love. I want to give you some love and let folks give you some love. But I, I want to know for the folks who don't know your work and who haven't been familiar with all the fantastic stuff you're doing at But Why Though, which again, I think y'all need to go check that out. You need to support that site. You need to support all the work that's happening there because it's fantastic reviews, fantastic the conversations how did you get into this space how did you decide you were like i want to do this with my free time uh and make content in this space so it's funny uh because i decided i wanted to make content because i decided i didn't want a phd um (laughs) so 
it was one of those, how can I leave the messy part? Well, I mean, it's still messy, but like leave academia and still do what I love, which is researching, which is talking, uh, which is communicating with other people, building communities and building understanding around the things that we watch. Because my PhD was specifically in pop culture and how it informs not only our identity, but how it informs how we look at other people. So pop culture for me has always been something that matters a little more than just, you know, entertainment. Uh, And I was, at the time, I was just kind of trying to find a space to get that outlet and we decided to start a podcast that podcast went really well for a year and then my husband and i were like do you think we could do a site like do you think we could write like do you think people would want to do this and then we just threw it out to our community we're like hey we were thinking about doing this does anybody just want to blog with us like we just blog all of us together and now that was 2018 i think now we're 2022 still going strong um I've been able to grow as a writer. So I not only cover stuff, cover games, I do most of my freelance work is games. And then um, all of my film stuff is usually over at But Why Though, um, Rotten Tomatoes Critic. I've helped other people get Rotten Tomatoes. Like we're, yeah, we're just over here doing work in our little corner of the internet and hoping that it makes an impact in some folks' lives. So <laughs> it is, it was super cool. Cause I love like when I get to see, like I, you know, when I do the research for, for the show and get a chance to kind of look into some of the work that happens when, when we bring on guests, I was like, it is not easy to be one of the folks who is in that mix, who are in that rotten tomatoes mix. It is not easy to be no. in that space, in the, <laughs> the kind of, you know, Texas uh, critic circle, all those places that, that you reside and do all that fantastic work. So again, I have to give you massive props and give you massive amounts of love because I think we need more of us in those spaces yes. to have those levels of a critical eye towards the the media that we consume. Uh, and knowing that you're in that space is 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 fantastic for all of us to be able to see you thrive you. in those spaces. So um, I'm excited to have you here for a, a bunch of different reasons, but I think one of the most important ones that I want to dig into is around some of the stuff that we saw in that um, ABK conversation, Mm -hmm. right? So I think, you know, the tweet that you shared, and I'm going to read it off, uh, because I thought it was was really the thing that made me want to say like, hey, we got to get Kate on the show. And you said, uh, and I quote, the diversity study, everyone quotes for diversity of gaming characters is bad, like very bad. Like the raw data doesn't add to what's being presented. Like, so it's much reading into my, reaching my brain and my brain is broken by watching all this kind of stuff. Paraphrase. Um, <laughs> as, as I say, this is someone who's working in diversity data at least 40 hours a week. So the, I, I want, I want to dig into a couple of different layers. So the first layer yeah. is when you went and saw the kind of work that was happening in that tool, in the way it was presented. Again, I think most of the conversations that we saw during that week, or at least last week, a lot of that stuff was kind of incomplete because none of us have access to that tool. We're not really seeing how they're implementing it. They're giving us the idea of how they want to use it. And for me and for you and for so many other folks, they were like, this doesn't pass the sniff test. This doesn't feel like it's doing what it needs to do. When you first saw the conversation pop up, like what were your thoughts that kind of came through that were like, I want to talk about this? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the first things was, uh, and I do this, uh, and I, because I work in diversity data, I always go to the study. 
Yeah. Like, what study did you base this on? What did you link? That study is deeply broken. <laughs> they do not like they they treat NPCs. They have NPC data right next to playable character data. They make a broad sweeping statement, but then undercut it with a statement that doesn't fit. Like the diversity study that they apparently based this entire tool on Mm. was broken. And if you build anything based on data, if your starting point is messed up, everything else you're building after is also messed up. So like if I if I remove just the ick factor of it, right? Like none of us like seeing our personal identities drilled down into a data point that always <laughs> feels icky. Um, if I remove the ick factor from it, it's built on a foundation that's extremely shoddy. Um, and it, it, it didn't hold water there. Um, so as I started kind of like looking through that and looking through it with, with my husband, who's also, he's a data scientist uh, by trade and that type of stuff, just talking, like we talked for two days about just like, this is how it's wrong. This is how it could have been done better. And I think ultimately when we look at how data was used in that tool, at least from what was presented to us and this, like, I don't like the tool. I'm gonna say that right now. It was bad. It was icky. However, uh, data has a large place in DEI. It has to, because you cannot move the needle if you cannot measure where that needle was and where it is going. Mm. And I think that that has been my largest issue with the conversation that has kind of evolved around it is the idea that data shouldn't have a place in diversity, equity, inclusion, and that data shouldn't drive things. There are multiple factors going on. Like, yes, being in a capitalist system, sometimes I have to do three data projects to move the needle instead of just one, which Mm -hmm. is probably all that I needed. Um, So that is that extra effort that you're putting on people who are in my position, which I guess for the people out there, I don't just make content. I've been in DEI for eight years. Um, I started in DEI creating a hate crimes database to then write a white paper to influence legislation in Texas. And then I moved to tech. So like I've, I've, my head has been in this space for a long time. Um, It would be really easy to say, um, if I went to a hiring manager, because I work specifically on the recruiting side, so mm. I'm the one having the conversations to diversify organizations. Um, it is easy to say, hey, hiring manager, this thing is racist. And it's true. Like 90% of my job is knowing that I am right and then having <laughs> to do an enormous amount of legwork to tell them why only wanting MIT grads <laughs> is racist, right? Like, and what I think got missed and it's what's actually what scares me the most about the ABK stuff is how diversity got talked about by everybody who was viewing the tool. And I worry that because it was such a volatile reaction and I'm not saying it wasn't valid, but because it's what it was that now people in the space are going to stop trying to make any sort of improvements because yeah, I get it. The tool was icky. It wasn't great. They were proud of it. They shouldn't have been. Cause you know what? You probably need some brown and black folks in there to tell you that this is wrong. Yep. That's a lot of what my job is mm-hmm. <laughs> looking at diversity strategies. Like, Hey, you, you shouldn't do that. Or at least understand the optics behind it. Um, but when you have something so visible, crash and burn, it does get harder for the people like me in this space because now that keeps that capitalist wheel going and us getting crushed underneath it because now nothing, and this isn't saying you can't critique it. It's about understanding what you're critiquing about it. You're critiquing, like for me, I am critiquing the fact that you can't whittle down experiences into one piece. Mm. You can't necessarily 
like those aren't data points. What is a data point is saying, hey, of the 20 games that we have published in the last seven years, 60% have been white protagonists, 40% have been male protagonists, like giving those blocks and then going to your team and saying, as an aspirational goal, if we publish two games, we need to make sure that we have a baseline of where we should be aspiring for the number of characters included. And I know that that's, that may also sound icky to some people, but that's what needs to be done. It's what has to be done in the hiring side as well. Because if you do not go in with a with an aspiration, not a quota, an mm-hmm. aspiration, you are winding up in a space where you don't know where that needle needs to go. And if you don't have a place you can measure, you're never going to hit it. And it's just going to be pushing a boulder up a hill more than it already is. My God, I want to hug you so much right now because I think I think that's the stuff that I, that really frustrates me. Right? Like we see the scuttlebutt, we see the thing happen, we see the scuttlebutt, which instantly is yeah. super reactionary, and yeah. that super reactionary level I think does so much of a disservice to a lot of the folks who are doing the work that you and I do. Like I was, you know, I was I was working in DNI for uh, like half of my work in one layer at one job and then when I was working at Riot, I was doing that as my full-time job but for a, a truncated space. But we, again, like if you've been doing the work for a while, like you know the things that you know the potholes that yeah. you have to avoid. And yeah. I think it's one of those things that when you think about um like corporate social responsibility folks who work at jobs right those folks are like slivers of also the dni dei pie too that also Mm -hmm. have to figure out again how do you get higher ups who are automatically and already trying to slash your budget not give you resources and also like you said We know what needs to happen in these spaces, but in DEI, it is always this fight of trying to validate the work and validate the reasons why this stuff is here. So thank you for saying that, because I think that that's the thing that like was driving me nuts during the week. I was like, it's not it's this weird push and pull. So and tell me how you feel about this, where like like you said, we want to be able to critique the stuff that's happening, because I think that public critique does give a company a space to say oh wait a minute maybe we need to pause for a second and do some other stuff but it can also have the other you know uh, other layer of it that winds up saying well if we are trying and this is the thing i'm tell me if this is a thing you've heard a lot we are trying our best to do this right but we also as soon as we get our hand slapped publicly all of that energy is like well why did why if if everyone hates this why would we do it right So, yep. so where do we go from there when it, when it winds up being a thing where we know that there you're finding every excuse to cut everything, diversity, inclusion, and, and equity, how do you figure out good ways to bring that to the table when you see this public kind of backlash be in the space? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think a lot of it comes from platforming people who are doing this fight in the space. And I don't even use fight like no. loosely. Like when I go into a meeting, I, it is not just physical labor of me getting the data. It is the emotional labor of continually to have to justify my point. And my point is, don't be racist, <laughs> right? 
Like that is such a hard thing for people to understand that there are not, I mean, and there are some bad actors in DI, we all right. get it, but there are also a lot of people who are trying our hardest to leave our spaces better than what we started at. Mm. And when we do that, I like we need, how do I say it? Instead of just listening to a random game journalist who has opinions and feelings on something, but doesn't actually work in the DEI space, how about you platform somebody who is having to do the hard work there? Instead of having a freelancer talk about how icky it made them feel, how about you do an interview with somebody working at DEI at another company? Do an interview with somebody who is working in DEI in here. Ask how this is actually going to impact the people whose jobs this is. And one of the other things, and I can understand why that's harder in gaming, is... <laughs> The majority of gaming DEI places, they just they they could they push that all out to consultants yeah. at Deloitte and consultants at other places because they're not doing the work of building DEI departments in what they're doing, or they are taking leaders of ERGs and then putting them in a DEI position and asking them to do do more work. And if mm -hmm. you're you don't know what an ERG is, it's essentially a community within your organization, um, like Black at Xbox, that type of stuff. Um and this is the issue, right? Like, it is hard to find people to talk about DI and gaming when gaming does not fund us to do the work. I have mm -hmm. tried to get multiple jobs in gaming. Um, I'm not taking that big of a pay cut and like ruining my life. I apologize. I care about the space. I will just move it forward in my consulting work that I do. Um, and that is that is a problem. And so if 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 large outlets took the time to actually investigate the space, actually talk to the people in the space, then we could actually see what these conversations don't look like in theory. We can see what these conversations actually look like in practice. And that is the big piece that we're missing. Because when you just have reactionary people on Twitter speaking for a job they don't do, you are gonna end up where that job now becomes 10 times harder for the person actually doing it. Oh, I'm shaking my head so hard for everyone who's <laughs> listening to this in audio form. I'm probably going to give myself a concussion. It is <laughs> so refreshing to hear you say that because it is exactly what I'm thinking all the time of like in so many different facets that we have within the space. It feels like there are also not only folks who have the loudest voice who don't don't have any idea of what the work looks like, but yep. also... So many folks, because of the, the, the space, are like, well, well, that has to be the answer. And I'm like, have you lived enough to make that decision? Have you worked enough in those space? Like, like for me, there are like two things that, that, that like really tweak me in that way. One is the conversation about diversity, inclusion, and equity. And how so many people talk out of their ass and don't really necessarily know how the work actually <laughs> happens. Yes. And to a certain extent, the conversation around um, unionization. And like yeah. I've said, I'm super pro union. I have I work. I did ten years at a union as a help desk guy, you know. And I loved yeah. my time there. I understand all that stuff that's in that space. But I also know that you can be corrupted within a union just as easily as you can in any other job or any other kind of version of that. Money is a thing that drives so many different conversations. That when you move it out of not just capitalistic conversations, it just fucks with people. And yep. you have to understand that those are things that <laughs> changes the way that conversations move. 
one of the things that I really wanted to dig into with you also is I loved how you talked about bad data versus good data. And I think one of the things that we saw in the ABK uh, conversation was not only, uh, you know, I see a spider chart and spider charts give me, you know, gout. So bad. They're, they're bad. Like, why? <laughs> like, they're dumb. They just don't make sense. It's not a thing that humans absorb and are like, that makes sense. Um, but besides that, tell me how hard it is, or at least let me back up a step. Not how hard it is. What are you seeing as a kind of throughput or through line when you're seeing a lot of the conversations around the data that people are pulling into what is supposed to be driving more equitable spaces and more and even if you just want to dig into like character creation um, and production, are you seeing any through lines that are just like, oh, man, we're thinking about this in such a wrong way that there is some space to kind of see some corrective measures happen? I mean, it's hard. The hardest thing about any data set in gaming is gaming is such a young industry. Mm. And I know some people see red when you say that, but like it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what happens when you're dealing with an industry that already gives you such a small sample of data is it makes you have to go further back to get more data points. And when you go further back, you're it, it, it doesn't matter essentially, because we've already moved past it. Like your data should be no longer than 10 year chunks. It should be within five years is the best way. Um, But if you need it to be longer, be 10. If you go past 10, you're getting into way too old territory, especially in a digital world and Mm. in a tech space that is dealing with evolving product that looks way different than what it did back then. So when you're, that's like the first hurdle you have to jump now you have to use the data that you have so Mm. there's really no way to correct that other than to be cognizant of it um the larger thing that i am seeing happen whenever i see a lot of these studies especially when it's about like characters and games and everything that is people want to look at the whole pie but they want to ignore pieces of the pie that are like full character creations Mm. or like stuff like that. So if you toss out the top selling games that you created your character up from scratch, you're, you're tossing out part of your data. And that's important because those characters weren't necessarily white males. They Mm. were whatever you wanted them to be. And so they have to be included in your larger data set. The other piece that happens is a debate between a playable character and non-playable character. What do those two pieces weigh? Which ones weigh more? And do we look at something holistically or just from a player perspective? And those have been the spots whenever I've seen a lot of the data stuff that's going on, they're not necessarily rectifying those pieces. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of that comes from understanding that gaming as an industry has a very bad diversity problem, both behind the camera, not behind the camera, but behind the computer, behind Mm -hmm. everything, and also in front. But when we go with like, that is that is a fact. Now, what we have to find with data is how bad is that? And is that the 80% we think in our mind or has it actually gotten better in about like 60, which is still bad, but an improvement. And I think that there is a lot of bias that goes into some of these data sets, thinking about the Diamond Lobby study that was very specifically quoted in the ABK piece, where there was a decision made on what you wanted the data to say. And you're going to do what you want to make the data say that piece. It's why I always go back to the studies that people link. Because if you're taking raw data and you're interpreting it differently, you're going to end up with a result that it, it 
data cleanliness. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need an endpoint, but you can't you can't make your decision on what the data says until you have it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but those have been some of my issues. Like when I see people handling data in the space, specifically from that perspective, yeah. and it's not done with malice, right? Like it's done because we want a better space. But if you overestimate parts of it, we're not helping anybody because we need a real scope. Um, if you see that 40% of the landscape is now full character creation, guess what? That's another study. How many of those things have more than four skin colors that you can choose, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, how many of those things have black hairstyles you can put in? Like, those are more that you can dig into because diversity, and this is the thing that I have also noticed is an issue in gaming is that when they're looking at data subsets, a lot of the times it's just about male and it's just about female. Yep. And it completely erases men of color from any conversation being had. Um, and that is something that is vitally important to understanding that whiteness is an access of privilege mm-hmm. and that supersedes a lot of things. <laughs> it is, it, is, it um, winds so up being, yeah. Go, no, go ahead, no, get, finish, finish, your, finish your thought. No, I mean, like, that, that that's where we end up. Like, we need people to understand that just because the number looks better now, it doesn't mean that there aren't more places that you need to go. Because mm. say you pull up your study and of the 30% diversity that's represented, 15% were Asian characters, the remaining percent were black characters. Okay, that's not that's not the only diversity in the world. And that is where we need to go. Like you have to do one step and you got to be ready to iterate on the product that you're working on. Because when you're creating a report for somebody to read, that is a product. That is something that they mm. have to consume. And that is something they have to make choices from. I feel like I went off a tangent. There. No, I no, <laughs> I, when we talked about this before the show, I was like, I'm gonna let you run. Uh, Cause again, it's fascinating. And I think, I think what I am hoping for folks who are listening to us have this conversation today is to understand like, you know, all of those layers. And I think when you are doing the work, you need every arrow in your quiver to be able to make the case for why we're moving forward. And I think what happens is we wind up getting in the weeds so much about nothing is changing. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening that we wind up shooting ourselves in the foot and making it harder, like you said, to make the case when you have the people who are decision makers, who you have to go and say, here's the thing that I need for you to understand so that we can move this needle in a direction that is not backward. So I think, you know, data cleanliness is extremely important. Again, it changes a lot of the ways you think about your sample set, changes the way you think about all the kind of corresponding data that moves up around that. But it also feels like a thing that is really important is, you know, you have the consultancy side where you have, you know, experts who have come into the field and have a, a wealth of knowledge to be able to kind of guide conversations when folks are looking to be better at the work that they're doing. But I also think that there is a space that we don't talk about at all, which is yeah. how much of the participation of the audience is important to building the case for what yeah. diversity can potentially be from a data standpoint. You know, it's yeah. hard enough to go get black people to go take the to take the census right yeah and, and, and folks within our communities you know your community my community our communities are like yo what you want 
<laughs> yeah, why do you need to know? Why do you need to know if I'm a citizen? Like, why, yeah. why, do, why do you need to know these things? Right. And how yeah. does that how does that affect when you have these conversations about <laughs> diversity within the, the hiring practices in, in that layer yeah. of, of it? How does that stuff kind of wind up fixing it or, or, or messing it up? Gosh, I mean, to be honest, that's the largest issue. Um, so yeah. working in hiring in any capacity, not directly my company, but just working in general, um, you do not have to answer an EEO survey. You don't have to say what you are. Um, and a lot of people have been taught to do that. I mean, I was taught not to put that I was Latina. I was also taught not to check indigenous. I was taught to check white. Mm. Like that was ingrained in me because if you put yourself as as that piece, you want to put yourself as the least discriminated against piece. So you just don't report. Um, a lot of what happens in that lack of self-reporting, um, it changes how diversity is driven from a strategy standpoint. Mm. So a lot of the times when you are developing a strategy for any sort of mechanism, you can only go on how you can find people. And because mm. of GDPR, which is a, um, it was a large rollout of laws in the UK that is also affecting the US, so far as how people handle data on the internet and everything like that and self-reporting pieces like that, everything has to go from self ID. So if I am looking at a pool of people and 50, per, 50 people said they were X, 50 people said they were Y, but 25 people said they weren't going to identify, I can't look at those 25 people. Mm -hmm. They're gone, um, no matter what the reason was. And so when it comes to not reporting, I understand the fear that comes with it, especially in the large history that mm -hmm. is extremely racist and this way these systems have been developed to categorize us and then kick us out. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to doing DEI, it is consistently finding a way to fill the hole or to build a strategy that you then have to present that takes into account the people that don't fit into anything mm. because you know they're there, you know your community is there. So how can I build strategy one and say, but if we run 0.5, which is a little bit of extra work, we could go get these people. Um, like, it, I don't think people understand how deeply it does mess up with larger, larger movements towards good yeah. when you don't report. I mean, we saw it a lot with like the vaccination self-reporting. Yeah. It was extremely important to report that you were being vaccinated because we needed to know what pockets, what communities were there and black and brown communities were the most vulnerable in those situations. But if you aren't reporting that you got your vaccine, they don't know what places are working. They don't know the percentage that it's happening at. Like all of that is scary but it's also important to make sure that your community can move forward. And that's something I didn't realize until I started working in data. Like mm -hmm. my very first project, I was making $10 an hour reading and cataloging hate crimes. I did not get paid enough. It was awful. <laughs> I did a really great thing. It was my first white paper. It was like, it was for a very good cause and it was for a nonprofit. So I understand why I wasn't paid that a lot, but that was just what was reported. And we all know that there was more that wasn't reported because I had to do what was reported and investigated as such. Mm. What was reported thought thought that it was by the public. So like public news sources, stuff like that, um, but wasn't investigated. And then uh, there was just like a subsect of other violent crimes or other vandalizations. And you had to like map all that stuff out. Yeah. All it is to say, Every time you don't report something, it does impact the larger movements around it. 
And it gets sticky when there are consequences to reporting sometimes, but from a data perspective, any project that we do is only as good as the data that we have. Yeah, and you yeah, need it. Fill and out you... your survey, fill out your survey. Like yeah. if you are listening to this, fill out the survey people give you, please. <laughs> it helps so much. I, 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 and I know, cause you've been doing this work way longer than I have, but I know even in the short time that I was doing that work, Again, it was like, well, how do we, the, the question would always be, well, how do we know this is serving the audiences that we want to serve? Yeah. And the first question is, well, do you even know who your audience is? Right. Yeah. And I think like that is a huge part of the conversation that we had when I was working at Riot was to say like, well, we know that for the most part, we are serving a, a mostly Asian um player base with league and some of the other games that we had valorant was very different because of the you know it already had a lot of great characters baked into it that came from diverse yeah. backgrounds but what i was like well i want to figure out a way to get black and brown kids to play league but are we tracking like are we are we pulling in data that tells us how many of them are actually playing yeah. no like not <laughs> like we and it wasn't because we weren't trying we couldn't like again if you didn't suffer yeah. before, it was just really hard to be able to do it yep how does that work from the talent acquisition layer too because i think Gosh, ta talent, is real hard when it comes to, yeah. to, to that stuff i mean when it comes to talent acquisition it is literally just trying to do your best to learn about literally every single diverse program in the space <laughs> like learn about who the movers are who are having conferences who are inviting people like going in and seeing who are heads of things and then looking into their networks like a lot of talent acquisition and you can't really do it at scale but you can do it in like a leadership level is mm. like just going in and trying to dig as deep as you can into the pockets that you know are there mm. um but what that does is it kind of creates an undue burden on talent to be a part of professional organizations to do more pieces so it's not foolproof but it is just using what you have available to kind of drill in and search for talent in those areas um it's one of the reasons that i i really do advocate especially black and brown folks to give your resumes to organizations give your mm. like pay the ten dollars to give your resume to an organization to then put it out there because companies large tech companies especially are buying resume books from diverse professional orgs because they do not know where to find talent and they do know that they have to go find talent because the talent is there they have just been incredibly white for so long that they have they they fund entire dei things to show them where talent is yeah. like i i mean i've been working in, in diversity data and, and census data for for a while now and i mean it breaks your brain with how tedious it, it is and how much there is when it comes to like the data set wise but it is all necessary and I, I think that that's something that i really want people to understand and i don't want the abk stuff to undermine yeah. is that we need data points to start because if you don't know where you started there is absolutely no way you can get better um, it was funny. I was talking to my to a friend about this, and he was like, "Yeah, people just need to realize DNI isn't just vibes." I was like, "Yeah, it's not. It's actual <laughs> analysis and data collection and arguments, like, and a lot of Twitter things is just vibes." <laughs> oh my god, that's the best quote of all time. <laughs> DNI is not just vibes. I I think that that's what it is too, right? And I think. 
I think that that's a thing that gets missed within our within our gaming spaces. And I feel it feels yeah. like there's a mix up. There's a mix up now where we're now at this really interesting pivot point within the industry. Right. You have a lot of the old heads who have been fighting that fight and pushing that rock up the hill for so long that let's be honest, a lot of them are tired and a lot of them are, you know, kind of like not done, but they're like, man, we've been trying to do this so long. Maybe I'm going to pivot out of games in this spot. Right. And then you have a lot of folks who are like fairly young in the space who are like now kind of starting to get into that layer where they can see how, let's be honest, the world ain't fun and it ain't even and it ain't going to be like that for a really long time. So you have a lot of that angsty energy that is what we see a lot on social media. And then you have the folks like I think like us who are in that middle ground who are like, trying to figure out all the ways that we can have an impact with the work that we wind up doing both inside you know it behind the closed door and in the media space right yeah and it winds up being really hard because it is so much about feels now that it winds up taking so much of the rug underneath or and tell me how you feel about this because i think this is also important not even the fact that it takes the rug out of the movement but it also undermines the work in a way that is yeah. public in a way yeah. that's like you actually don't have as much value if you are not the person who is screaming in the social about it the you know knowing that that's not the way that the work actually gets done how are your thoughts about kind of how some of that kind of works Man, it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. And obviously, I'm not doing this work in the in, in the game space, which is like another problem. Games refuses to pay talent that they need to pay to come in and fix their shit. Yeah, they won't pay it. Yeah, and that is a problem. Like if you are in a way to set budgets, up your DEI budget because what you have isn't enough. Mm. Um, but the big thing for me is whenever I see that stuff, like you'll you'll see people complaining about how long it's taking or how they didn't make a big <laughs> enough donation or why isn't this happening right away? And I get it from a visceral reaction, from right. a feeling that injustice needs to be corrected. I understand it deeply. Like I feel it in my bones and I feel it when I'm in those meetings telling people to fix their stuff. The hard thing is, is when you are actually in it, there are things called laws and (laughs) compliance. And you can't just boot people and you you have as much as you want to. You can't unless you're in an at-will state. And a lot of foreign countries don't have at-will employment. You can't just go and data mine to get certain pieces and then use it because race data is rightfully extremely protected in the United States because, hey, history of racist systems. Like, (laughs) and what people need to understand is that that needle does not move the week after something was reported. And it sucks and it hurts. But also try being the person in the room who has to keep having that conversation week after week after week because it should be simple. It isn't. And so a little empathy, a little empathy for the people who are doing the work would go a long way. And I understand like Twitter is the place you you tweet off a little thought, you get your feelings out. (laughs) I I do it too. Um, 
But I just wish there was a larger understanding. And I think it affects me more when I see people who are in a position of disseminating information, especially journalists, mm -hmm. especially games journalists, when they are reacting to stuff. There has to be an understanding that people trust you as a source. And so maybe take the time to understand the levers that went into making that choice that you are mad is happening in two months and not one. Like, un like I think that DEI is something that people, how do I say this? DEI should be easy. It should mm. be easy for people to agree that everybody has the basic rights and we all have, we have the same equity where it should be easy. It isn't. And I think what happens when you have, especially people who are very fed up with the way everything is, they want it to be easy. And if you have to reckon with the fact that it isn't, and that's the reason these positions are created, it gets hard to keep pushing that fight in whatever space that you're in. And I just want people to understand that like, we're doing it too, we just, we have to abide by laws <laughs> and we and we have to like work within <laughs> the the parameters that we have like i think yes that's always that's always been a thing that has been like mind-blowing to me and that's where a lot of my frustration winds up being is like if you understood how hard we work to just get there even if it's not even close to where we want to be again i think a lot a lot of this work is not only um you know hearts mind soul but it is like it's aspirational stuff like we are trying to yep. figure out how to literally make the world better by pushing pebbles up a hill with yep. and while having the hill be made out of quicksand right exactly and it, and well Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, somebody had responded to a tweet I made today about just being very tired about being a DEI person on yeah. Twitter. And she pointed out that, like, we have to, like, arm ourselves to go into every meeting understanding that we're going to be pushed back. Yep. We have to go into an exhaustive state to understand that that one piece, that's what we can do right now. And then not only that, we have to do it respectfully. Mm. And that sucks. That's the reason I'm not mm. respectful on Twitter because I do it enough <laughs> in my day job that I'm not going to do it in my personal <laughs> space. But like that, like that piece, because it turns into this, it turns into if I blow up and yeah. I say what I want to say here, I'm no longer in the room. Yeah. And yes. that is what consistently has to get weighed. And I hate respectability politics yep. with yep. the deepest like deep down i hate it i will never abide by it unless i know that it's where i have to go yep. i have to find a way to meet people who refuse to understand because i want it to get better yep and that in in a professional space that is very different than political movement online and your personal time so i'm in no way advocating that but personally right. that's the piece i think a lot of people don't realize the constant code switching the constant arguing and the constant needing to have your argument do the work and data to back up the argument and then also make sure that you don't say that argument too loudly so that the person in front of you doesn't check out yes oh my god yes and you have to figure out of like if i blow up 
did I just ruin all the work that mm-hmm. I did, all the work that all the other folks who care about this work did around me? Yeah. Did I undermine the stuff that everyone in my ERG has been fighting for for the time before I even got to this job? Mm-hmm. Like there are so many layers of the conversation that I really don't think people who are popping off on social understand how it works. And the thing that bugs me is like, there are folks who are in the space who have had some layers of that work, but they still champion champion it in rah-rah, the folks who were just loud for no reason. Yep. And I'm like, come on, y'all. Like when you worry it, when you when you wind up doing that, you forget that all of us have been in the struggle since birth anyway. And if you know that that layer is there and you're like, hey, all you assholes who are over there who are kissing butt by not screaming in the meeting about how your feelings are hurt because this is not going the way you want, but also you're not the people who are advocating for more of that work to be done in that way or understanding the minutia of what it takes to get there, it just throws me off because I'm just like, man, like... I, it is, it, you know, folks who are in that kind of DEI space, folks who are in that CSR space, that, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, corporate social responsibility space, I give them nothing but love because I'm just like, it is such a hard job when yeah. you're fighting inside and outside at the same time, all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like building on that too, one of, or like just to kind of add to the conversation, yeah. and I think it's something that gets missed a lot is when we do see diversity done, not necessarily in a corporate DEI, but in a, we're going to sponsor a diversity panel way. Yeah. One of the big things that happen is too, is it has primarily been led by like white women in the gaming space, mm-hmm. which is something that is a very large problem. That's something I definitely tweet about a lot because it is a space that makes it harder and unsafe for people of color, specifically black and brown people to operate in it because the narrative that is continually being said is still from a privileged perspective. Mm. And that's why I always say, when we talk about diversity and when we talk about where we're looking at, and as wrong as that dumb spider chart was. So stupid. We all exist on axes of marginalization and privilege, Mm. everybody. And if you can't reckon with that, you are never going to actually find a way to make sure that the people who are the most vulnerable are being raised up to speak. And that happened so much in gaming, so much. And mm-hmm. I get it. Women face a lot of stuff in gaming. I get it. <laughs> I, I feel it. Um, I also know I get 10 times as much as the white woman on that DEI panel. Yeah. Like, And that that is something that like I really wish outside like which i also think comes down to who is doing the data what Mm -hmm. is the narrative being put on the data and i think a lot of the data that comes out in gaming is only looking at gender and it isn't actually looking at the intricacies of race because that is not what that group is actually interested in talking about so we have to diversify who's also pulling the data as well yeah and you also have to remember that like our uh we we talk a lot about the ills of capitalism and mm-hmm. of course, we know that capitalism is terrible in, in so many different ways. But I think that one of the conversations we wind up not having a lot is I don't know if capitalism is going anywhere anytime soon. It's probably not. <laughs> it's probably not changing anytime soon, not in my lifetime. 
So how do yeah. we work within the systems that we are under while also trying to figure out good ways to make strides that make sense to everyone who we possibly can touch while also understanding that this is not the the, the, the world that we want. We are working with yeah. what we have as opposed to where we want to be. Because I know a lot of folks exactly. are like, burn it and throw it into the garbage. And I'm like, so what do we do then? You, yeah. We can't get y'all to freaking vote <laughs> in on who's gonna win freaking uh uh american idol like we can't get you to <laughs> figure out like what was the best version of silent hill and you're like yeah all of we are gonna throw away every system that we have started from scratch well, without anything underneath it yeah well and i think that's the other thing too is like if we weren't in, if we weren't in late stage capitalism where yeah. everything is owned by one company um, <laughs> most of the time, yep. you could do small movements of push and a larger thing outside of it. And in a lot of way that can still be done. But if you actually want to start affecting stuff within it, you have to start changing out parts of the system while you're inside it, like yep. getting a link, like, and it, it is, it is something that I don't think a lot of people think of, but when an ERG petitions to have their name changed to be more inclusive, mm -hmm. like changing it from Latin to Latin or Latinx, whatever, like using that as an example, that is a step. And it sounds really dumb because it's just a word, but it is also actively making something recognize you the way you want to be recognized. And all of those things impact the outward going pieces. And it's also why like, I am really happy in this space that I am in talent acquisition um, because I do all the research and I, I don't talk to anybody, but I, I'm in the numbers and I'm yeah. telling people what to do and having the conversations about like, hey, don't be racist and just get MIT. <laughs> um, you have to do that enough because if you don't teach people another way while, while you're in it, you're not actually impacting anything. Like the, if you tweet at a recruiter, Hey, white lady recruiter, you don't recruit anybody <laughs> who's black and brown. Okay, that doesn't do anything. I'm nope. sorry. Uh, very valid, extremely valid. Yep. I go in there and I say, hey, white lady recruiter, here is your candidate list of 50 people. Two were non-white. This is a problem. All of these are from this school. This is a problem. Here's a list of Hispanic-serving institutions and HBCUs if you're going to have to go by school to also include that have... Yep that have parity across the skills of the schools that you recruited from. It is dumb. Nobody should have to do that extra step, but we have to. Like yep. I sh like it, it is the understanding that I should not have to do the extra work, but we are in a really shitty system. Mm -hmm. So if I want it to change, I have to do that work. Um, yeah, I think that was one of the reasons why I was always kind of and under, I understand where it came from and I understand the power that is behind the movement that was I am not your mule that yeah. happened some years ago. And I was like, look, I understand that that is the way you are feeling. And I understand the, the undue burden that is put on so many different marginalized folks within the space. But I also understand that white people are lazy. <laughs> and I also understand that yeah. the, 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 that the conversation is lazy and that we ha we're yeah. still in for the most part, God knows how many years since the civil rights movement was, was, was started. We're still having one oh one conversations with white people about racism. Yeah. And yeah. sadly, 
we have to wind up continuing to do that extra work to advocate for ourselves in that weird way, which sucks. Yeah. But it's a part of the burden, and I and I and I hate it. I don't like it. It pisses me off all the time. But I also know yeah. that like if I want things to move, I have to do that work too. Um, yeah. But before we pivot, because I want to I want to ask you stuff that's fun, <laughs> other fun stuff. <laughs> I want to ask you about fun stuff. Um, <laughs> What's the one thing that you have seen so far or, you know, because I want to I want to end on a win, at least this part of this conversation. Are there any wins that are that are being gotten right now at this moment that you can kind of see? Is there anything that you're seeing in the work you're doing or seeing within the gaming space? You're like, this is nice to see this is moving in a potentially good direction. Um, in the work that I'm doing, I would say, and this is this, uh, it's not going to matter to anybody else. It matters to me deeply. <laughs> I am getting people to look in the South and the Southwest for talent. Mm. And it sounds small, um, but when we look at population density in the United States based on census data, the majority of both black and brown po- populations are in the South and the Southwest. A lot of those pockets, the way they are, they get immediate, a lo- be honestly, because of a lot of stereotypes that come with the South, mm. that come with the Southwest, that make people think that that does not have good talent there because they don't have, they're not the coasts. And for me, a big piece was, well, if we keep focusing on just diversity orgs and stuff like that, it's an undue burden on an applicant to have to do the extra steps. Mm. Why don't we go to them? And so for me, it's getting people to realize, especially with the with the rise of remote work, like remote work is really the win here. Mm -hmm. Remote work in the gaming industry, remote work in the tech industry remote work allows us to naturally diversify because we're not only looking in highly gentrified cities that you are ready to have to have enough money to live in. Um, so that, that's a win. Like remote work across across gaming and tech ultimately I think is, I think it, it is a wide open door. We just now need to have companies walk through it and continue to walk through it, um, which I think I'm sorry, I'm, I, I'm seeing a lot more, um, yeah. Yeah, that that would be my win. That's <laughs> good. No, that's great. And I think again, I think that that is extremely important when it comes to, you know, a lot of the conversations we see in the gaming space when people are like, "Well, there's no black and brown people here. There's no Latinx people who are in here. There's none of these folks who are in these spaces." And I'm like, "Do you know how much it costs to move cross country, to yep. go work in the Bay and leave your yep. family and all your support systems and all that stuff? Remote yep. work, like you said, is the is the way." And if most folks would just adopt it and really, you know, do a comprehensive version of it, we would see a huge uptick in who mm-hmm. we see as new candidates moving into a lot of these positions in a lot of these studios. Exactly. So I rock with you on that. Again, you are <laughs> brilliant. I think that that stuff is dope to be able to hear. I need more folks like you in the space to say that shit loud and proud. Oh, thank you. Because uh, that, that, that's the stuff that I'm like, yes, yeah, sweet Lord Jesus. I need someone to say <laughs> all this stuff in a real way. Um, before we let you go, I want to hear about what you've been playing. I know you did a, a great review of the um, Evil Dead game that, 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 that was out there. What other stuff are you playing? Uh, that that you're excited about or stuff down the road oh, that gosh. you're excited for? I mean, one, obvious, like, I love Evil Dead. It's great. Uh, yeah. But Final Fantasy fourteen, And the reason I am going to bring it up is because never in my life have I stuck with a game long enough and been invested enough 
to make it to end game content to where I have a weekly routine and me and my husband have that in Final Fantasy 14 and it makes me very happy because I've been on and off MMOs for so long and Final Fantasy 14 is that one MMO that just has my soul uh so I I I really appreciate the the making sure we do all of our stuff before everything resets and like grinding stuff out like it is it's a nice feeling i feel like i'm a part of the end crowd now i get to do end game content <laughs> i love I that. was the right level for a patch like that's great <laughs> it's always that kind of stuff it's like am i ready yet to do this stuff yes. i guess so i think i'm kind of ready to do it oh my god oh kate you are brilliant i had such a blast having you on the show you again i think when i think of like the future of the space like you're one of the folks i think of i think you do such good work uh-huh. so thoughtful and really well done and i love the site give the folks at home all your info that you can share about where folks can check out more of your work they want to check out more stuff you're doing uh the the floor is yours you can find me uh, mostly on Twitter at Oh My Myth Randier. Um, that's Lord of the Rings at what reference. Sorry, it's very long. Um, but if you want to see my site and read all of our awesome work, you should follow us on everything at B U T W H Y T H O P C on all social media. And we have a really great Discord where we talk about everything as it happens. So movies, TV, games. Uh, Currently, we've discovered the 90 Day Fiance Extended Universe that exists, and we are all just (laughs) watching that together uh, for random trash nights to decompress after hard days of work. Uh, And that is at discord.gg slash but why though, B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. Uh, but yeah, those are the things. <laughs> I may need to jump into Discord just so I can get my trash my trash viewing on. Yes, it's, just... it's so good, man. I don't know. I don't know why, <laughs> but I live here. <laughs> it's very warm. That's fine. Everybody at home, we're about to let Kate go. But again, go make sure you check out her work and the rest of the team's work. Again, they continue to do fantastic stuff in the world. And again, we're going to find some ways to get you paid on this gaming side with the data conversation because <laughs> I need people like you in my fold when I need to walk into those rooms and be like, go to Kate, pay her some money to get this <laughs> stuff done in a real way. Uh, thank you so much for being here. We'll see you uh, a little bit later uh, in another show. I want to see if we can get you on uh, at another time with some other conversations I have in the back of my mind, too. So everybody say <laughs> goodbye to Kate. Uh, Kate is fantastic. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right after this and we're going to go hang out, take a quick ad break you go grab some water. And everyone, please go make sure you're checking out Kate's work. Kate is brilliant and fantastic. So make sure you're going to do that. We'll be right back after this. 